Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Conversations with My Dog, with me, Mani Jahangiri. This podcast celebrates the impact that our dogs have on our lives. Now... I am so excited to speak with Debbie Arnold, actor, writer, producer and voice artist who has starred in every soap in the UK. She is an ambassador for the UK National National Bullying Helpline, as well as recently creating and starring in Wonderbirds with her friends Sherry, Dee and Harriet, which has taken the country by storm during lockdown. She joins us today with her fur babies, Tink Bear and Beanie, which she de- she delivered herself. Now, it is an honor to have her on the show today. Hi, Debbie. Namapa. <laughs> Hello, but you missed out the most important person thing that I'm an ambassador for. Because I am the ambassador for the Retired Police Dogs Trust. No, we just interviewed uh, Finn. Finn and David. Oh, my word. Oh. Yeah. And one of one of my doggies, won't he? He's one of them. Yes, I know all about them. So so it's, it's that's, you know, that's one I'm really excited about as well. So I do lots of work for them and try to help them. So um, they are incredible dogs. Have you ever been down there? Have you ever been? Have you ever watched them train? No, I haven't had the chance yet. So we interviewed. Oh, you must do that. Yeah, you must go down. It's so much fun to watch them train. They're so clever. They really are. Well, it was an incredible story when we had David and Finn on the show because um, obviously the story itself is horrendous. Um, how yeah. Finn has absolutely no rights that, a, you know, a, a police dog is just an accessory and not more than anything. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Dave talked about the retired police dogs, that they have their rights and dignities of a good life with, you know, a nice retirement and um it was yeah it was just very powerful to hear him speak well that's what we're trying we're trying to we're trying to get that together for them you know because they don't you know they can't get insured either because they've been police dogs so they they pull a lot so they, and they also they actually i don't know if he told you this but quite a lot of these dogs have a few mental health problems as well because they're used to going out to work you know and when they retire they're kind of like oh what do we do now like a, like a real person i have a dog here who's looking at his treat on the floor hold on i'm gonna bring him up bring him up this is all i mean i just can't believe i'm sitting with 
Debbie Arnold in bed. I mean, I'm not in bed. She's in bed. Well, I'm in bed with you. Um, in my, you know, with the dogs. Robbie's shown no interest. Is somewhere else. I don't know where he's. I think he's. Robbie is under the table. He's under the table. I can't believe it. But he's too. He's he's too impressed with Tinkerbell because she's so beautiful. Come on, come on. But Debbie, I don't know where to start. I have no idea where to start with you. Do you know what? Yesterday, I I researched everything about you, and I, I you do so much. And my question is, well, the number one question is, how do you keep going? How do you manage to be so successful in your career? You've been in every soap opera, every show. You've been with Omar Sharif in the Haymarket um, on stage. You've, I, I, I don't know, you're an ambassador for everything. Um, how, what keeps you going? What keeps you going every day uh, to this kind of thrive? To- well, to believe it or not, through, what, through, the, through the lockdown and everything else, it was my doggies, of course. And, and I think that's the most important thing because you've got to get up, you've got to look after them. Unlike kids, they, they don't grow up. You know, they stay, they stay children, don't they, doggy children? So they have been, because I'm single and they, you know, they are my, my lifeline. My daughter sort of left home when lockdown started. Um, and I suddenly realised for the first time in, you know, 25 years, I was living on my own and it was kind of weird. Um, but then, you know, I have them and they, I'm sure for everyone, it says the same thing, you know, to go for walks every day, you have to go for a walk. So they, they keep you fit and healthy. They give you love. And also I get very inspired by them as well. Um, certain things that I'm doing, but I suppose because they don't argue back. <laughs> it's, it's one of the, I mean, it was me and Robbie. I live on my own. I'm single. It's, you know, I have nobody else other than Robbie. And um when things were really difficult, I, I really was holding on to Robbie for dear life. I mean, I, I you know, we said we were going to talk about everything. I mean, mental health, Jesus Christ. It was horrendous. It was such a challenge. But no one told us how hard it's going to be to live on our own. No one prepared us for this. And I mean, I, I was so jealous of people who had relationships and families who were locked in uh, and locked down. I thought, why did I never choose a relationship? How could I get it so wrong in my life? You know, lockdown, it was like a mirror, looking into the mirror for the first time thinking, oh my God, where have I gone wrong? How could I miss out on this most important part, which is called intimacy and relationship? And here I am, <laughs> the one intimate relationship I have, well, intimate as in intimate, but, you know, <laughs> legit, uh, is with my dog. And he helped me survive. Yeah, yes. Well, I think I think a lot. I think a lot of people are like that, and I'm very lucky because I do have a family. I wasn't able to see them for the first few months, you know. Anyway, but I'm very lucky that I do have a family. But my family now, this is where it gets very weird. So my daughter, Kira, her, has a dog called Messy, and my other daughter Talia has a dog called Lady, and their dogs are parents to my dogs. So you see, we are all family. <laughs> So it's kind of weird, isn't it? And Beanie obviously was there when they were born. So she, she like me, is the, um, you know, the deliverer of children, and she's also the godparent. So we are, we are a family. I think I've just gone insane. Actually, I've just gone dog mad. So I think I need to be taken out of the dog world and brought back into humanity somehow. I was going to ask you direct. Actually, my, that was my last question, but this is going to be my first question now. I mean, do you trust dogs more than humans? Yeah, much more. But it's very interesting that that dogs trust people that you possibly wouldn't trust or like people that you possibly wouldn't like and you and that that makes me think oh I didn't didn't really like that person but the fact that they love my dogs makes me like them 
so you think well if the dog's like them then they must be okay it's interesting i've taken robbie on dates in the old days you know proper dates not just <laughs> online weird sex so excuse me texting um yeah. but the dates where and i would bring robbie along and the guy would try really hard to to please robbie and robbie would growl he would growl if the guy comes too close he would growl and i had a feeling that probably robbie told me to tell him to back off you know from you know, he would pick up the energy of a guy and any guy who stepped back a bit and sort of let it happen was was right. <laughs> I mean, it never lasted the relationship, but <laughs> at least, you know, there was some kind of it yeah. was so interesting. If if the guy tried too hard to come too close to, to sort of rub his neck or something or come into his face, Robbie would growl. And he'd go, <laughs> if only we could do that. If only we could have relationships by going up to people and sniffing their asses, wouldn't that be great? I always said that I would love to sniff people's bums. Honestly, it would be so much easier. And I think we did that thousands and thousands of years ago. We had a tail. Yeah, we had a tail. I, we do, were on miss having a ta- I do miss not having a tail. I really feel that having a tail would actually be fantastic. It would be lovely, wouldn't it, to be able to wag your tail when you were happy? How lovely to feel like that. That would be amazing. And our hair could stand up, get little big ears and floppy tails. Yeah, and stuff. not care about yes. what they look like. You know, I, I I think in the morning when I get out of the shower and they're, obviously they're there because they're looking at me, I think they think, whatever happened to her fur? You know, she looks oh. so weird. Oh, what was that? Big breeze. <laughs> it's so true. By the way, when you come out of the shower, do they um, li- uh, lick your legs? Do they dry dry you off as well? No, they no, they don't like that. They know that's that's um, that's no good. They don't, they know I don't like that, so they don't. Oh, call they me. don't. But I, I I must tell you, and I don't know if this happens to you. Well, no, you've got a little white dog. I don't understand why in my shower it's always full of black hair, uh, and that's not mine. So I think Tinkerbell goes in the shower. I mean, she obviously must do. I don't think she showers, but she definitely goes in. There. I think they like to lick the water from. The shower, you know, where the water uh, drains. That they yeah. like to lick around there. This fa- and my cat used to do that too. It's very strange. Mm. It's very odd. But um, coming back to humans and dogs, I mean, you've been in showbiz for how long? How many? May I ask how long? Uh, well, no, I was born. I was born into it. So you know, my parents were in it as well. So um, it was always something that that was part of who I am. So I didn't really know anything else. Uh, I couldn't have gone into another business really. It's incredible. Your mother was your agent? Or- no, the mo- my mother was an agent. Was an she agent. was a theatrical agent. But she- yeah, she was a theatrical agent and my father was an impressionist. So for, for a while, when I first started, my mum was my agent. But then I went on to, you know, different agencies, you know, you change agents. And my mum was great because she said to me, you know, I don't think I can look after you anymore. I think you need to go to somebody else, which was fine. Uh, felt a bit weird that your mother was saying, I think you need to go to somebody else. But on, on the other hand, it was better for our relationship that she didn't look after me. But also it was very good because I used to go up for auditions and things for different parts and I would tell her about them and some of her artists would go up for them. So it was kind of like exchanging, um, you know, information. So did you ever get any criticism from other actors saying, oh, well, you know, of course your mother's an agent and that's why you made it? Yeah, well, you do that. You no, well, well the, the other actors would say, oh, great for you. You don't have to pay commission. And they, what they didn't realise that she took 90% and I had got 10%. Well, of course I had to pay a commission. But, um, you know, people weren't really like that because I think the, the industry, it's not like that. It's, it's not, you know, your mum's your agent, anybody's your agent. I mean, it, it doesn't really work like that unless you're good enough. You don't get the part anyway. Um, and so the doors, you know, I'm of course she opened some doors at the beginning because she knew some people. But after a while, you know, you'd get the jobs yourself. 
how did you manage to get through it? Because, I mean, I studied musical theatre, London Studio Centre. I came from Switzerland to London at the age of 19 to study musical theatre and I did the whole thing. I had an agent and everything and I went through castings and I stopped halfway through because I felt it was... De- I was so badly criticised for my accent. I didn't look the part and uh, my agent said I had to lose weight and everything. Halfway through, I just I didn't have the skin for it. How did you manage to, to be turned away? I don't, well, I think if you're... I think if you're brought up in the business, you know, you understand it. And it's something very that you have to have is that you have to always realize that it's not because you're not good enough. It's because you're not right. And the reason and the, the, the minute that is in your head, it doesn't matter. I knew when I went up for that part with Omar Sharif and there were 900 girls they auditioned for that. I knew there wasn't one other actress in this country that would get that part. I was so sure. And when you have that power behind you of being sure, then you get parts and everything. That, and, and then in, in those days, it was very different as well. You know, the minute you were seen on television, because, because there were only a few channels, the minute you were doing some television, which I did an awful lot of television, the minute people saw you, the next day the phone was, would ring and another job offer would come through and people would just see you and then they would be, you know, like you. But when, I, when, when they were seeing people for The Sleeping Prince they did, for, with Omar, they did not want to see me because I'd done too much comedy sitcom on television and they thought I was too lightweight. Um, and when they did see me, they, re- you know, obviously they realized that I was right. And then, you know, nine auditions later or whatever it was, I got the part. But, but you know, I was so str- at my belief in myself. I think about it now and say, God, I can't believe I was like that. But, you, you know, you are and you were. And it makes you through the rest of your life, you know, the strength that you have to carry on in certain situations. I mean, I had nine miscarriages. You know, I'm one of these people that doesn't give up. I knew I wanted another baby and I and I went for it. Now, so many people have miscarriages and they, you know, I see them writing about it. Now it's a bit more open about that. But in, in those days as well, people weren't open about things like that at all. I remember somebody saying to me when I had a miscarriage, oh, are you sure you were pregnant? You think, you know, really? <laughs> really but um i think it's it's the survival instinct that's what it is your background nine some people give up after two or three and they're devastated and you carried on no matter what 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 kept you going knowing you must have believed that you will be pregnant at some point you will did you well, I, well, I was lucky to have one daughter, but I knew I needed another child. Being an only child of only children, I did not want my children to just want my child to just be one child with me. I thought, no, we have to have another baby. And I went on. And when Talia was, when, when Kira was about, I think probably about four, I had this dream about this child. And there was this beautiful blonde child who said, my, my name is Talia and I'm coming. And, um, and I remember thinking, that's it. And I woke up, David, and I said, my husband at the time, and I said, I've had this dream about this baby, and she's blonde. Kira was really dark, my other daughter. And I said, and she said, her name is Talia. And he said, wow, what a beautiful name. And I said, that's it, she's coming. Well, she didn't come for quite a bit longer, but she came. And, of course, she's Talia, and she's here. <laughs> it's incredible. It's just incredible. I'm just thinking, and you carried on working while you had children. You, you balanced that out. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 didn't, I never stopped working ever. I mean, Kira, Kira was born. Well, I was very lucky that I did so many voiceovers. So um, on the, the literally the day that, that Kira was born, I did three voiceovers. That was my oldest child. And Talia was born on a Friday, and I went in to have her on the Friday morning, and I was back at work on the Monday. So whilst in labour, you were doing a voiceover job? No, 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 because they were born by cesarean. But I, I knew I was going in 
to have that okay but how was your voice how was the job (laughs) did your voice strangely (laughs) um, the job was for um the job was for something like um nationwide but it was they wanted all lots and lots of animal noises and i remember coming back on the monday to do a re-record and i had talia with me literally she's under my jumper and they said oh we can hear that sucking sound that sounds good that sounds good we like that so keep that in she was eating as we were recording so but i think a lot of us were like that a lot of us were lucky enough to have a you know a voiceover career that we were able to to carry on doing things so i used to flip back from doing voiceovers from doing television from doing theater you know it, it was just lots and lots of different things so you just carry on working all the time what do you enjoy uh what part of uh, the profession do you enjoy the actual performing the the adrenal Uh, that rises before you go on stage or the actual performance or the words or the script? What is it that you enjoy about this crazy profession? Well, I think um, a bit of it, I think I've done everything. So I enjoy, I as an artist, as an actor, I love being on stage. Uh, and I love doing sitcoms where you had the audience in there as well at the time. And it was kind of a bit of both. So it was filmed and you also were on stage, you know, at the same time, so you had the live audience. But I think over the, la- over the last few years, I've become a producer. I really like produ- production. Um, I don't like being in my own productions uh, because I find that gives you, um, I find that t- too difficult to separate myself. I-, I love being asked to do something as an actress and being employed by somebody else, but being employed by myself, I find that really too hard because I can't, I-, I don't like juggling. But having said that with Wonderbirds that I'm doing at the moment and the beauty show, and I do a lot of stuff for Saga, entertainments as well taking people on the ships um you know doing uh, uh, actors at sea and uh producing all of that lot and being in them as well i find really hard i'd much rather just produce them but unfortunately people want me to be in these things <laughs> so i'm in them as well um it's incredible were you, you- You're just likable. Everybody likes you, you know, and it's so easy for you. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I can imagine I mean, being a imagine being a casting director. You come in, you you make it easy for people. You are so approachable, and you allow you have a direct channel of communication. It's incredible because so many actors that I've met, including myself, uh, we have these issues and barriers and this, and we complicate things, and everything's a bit neurotic. And do you know what I mean? I find also actors build a lot a, a huge wall. As a personality, as a human being, they're very, very different than their characters. Usually, it's very few actors are just natural humans. Yes, some are. I think. Well, I think you have to be. I think. I think you have to be humans. And then you know the part that, especially with with Wonderbirds, you know that started on the eve of lockdown. Uh, I was just having a Zoom call with with my friends, and it was so funny. And I said, you know, I wonder if we can get that out there. And boom, you know, we've had 14 million hits in the last, uh, what, 15 months. And it, it's it's incredible, you know, how it's taken off. But it was it was completely by accident. And then we started to, you know, just to do this, you know, four times a week. So it became a real good therapy that, you know, you'd have to get up four times a week. You'd have to put your makeup on. You'd have to look good. And then all of our active friends, everybody, you've seen the amount of celebrities we've had on. Everybody wanted to come and do the show. Nobody was paid to do anything. Everybody just did it. And uh, we've just, it's gone from strength to strength. It's incredible. How did it get from strength? What, what, what are your subjects? Is there, there's four, four, you're four, five women together, right? Four, four, four. four. Yeah. So is there a structure to it? Do you have like a theme? No, there is a structure. <laughs> Because it looks like you're all top, talking on top of each other, but not in a bad way, in a very natural way, you're like sitting at a table. Well, it has to be so we don't because we all don't do it on Zoom. So actually we can't talk on top of each other because it's because we'd, we'd cut each other out. 
but what we do do is it's kind of a well a sort of orchestrated conversation where we wait for the other people just about to stop talking and we have an editor and it's not a live show anyway i mean it is it goes out as live but it isn't live um it's sort of like an hour before that we we film it so um so we have an editor just in case we you know we need to snip a few things out but the structure is is basically we, we have a long chat before the show we have a about an hour that we we chat about the things that we want to talk about that's happened you know the day before and then we talk about our guest and we say you know what what's our guest done we have a lot of research that we do on our guests um and and that's what happens come on i've got another doggy who's just come to join us come oh don't you have a go at bear come here Ben. there's a boy he always they always shout at him come here you want to come and say hello? Do you want to come and say hello to Manika? You going to come and say hello? Oh, you hi, darling. You can hear my voice. You know something's happening. Mummy is concentrating. It's another screen. Oh, no. Somebody's jealous. I was doing dog on Zoom. Um, you know, doggy yoga classes because we, we had no other option. Um, I was invited on this morning, ITV, to do a bit of um, doga on the on the week after lockdown. Uh, they the, the producers wanted some doggy yoga on Zoom. Yeah. So we did it, and um, it was it was fun. I mean, I was so traumatized that I even didn't even notice I was on Zoom in the studios. It's it's confusing, and it's it's all so confusing. Anyway. And then uh, quite a few people signed up for Doga Online. So with Doga Online, it was weird. People opening their laptops and then you see 20 dogs and their bums are sniffing and the person rolling out their yoga mats. And, but Robbie, my Robbie, just didn't didn't want none of it. He was like, I'm not participating. What is this thing? What is this laptop? What is it? What is it? What are these voices? And four months down the line, he actually realized that something was happening in that laptop because he saw a dog and he started barking at the screen like, ah, and I was like, oh, namaste, shivaya. And he went right up and went, ah, ah. <laughs> this, this chihuahua was like, oh, my God, I'm not coming back to this yoga class ever again. You know, it was just weird. Everything was weird. But I did what happened was I did a lot of charity things. I did something amazing for the Texas University. Um the, uh, the Texas University has like um, a, a university hospital has a has a cancer ward uh, for for children dying of cancer, uh, and they contacted me because uh, they wanted me to do doga with the staff uh, during that time because of course the staff was uh, staff was so overwhelmed with the children that were dying, that were not able to see their parents because the parents couldn't come. Could Only one parent at a time could come to say goodbye to the children. It was horrendous what was happening. And Doga actually helped employers cope in a pandemic. So I was doing Doga for I had little jobs, bits and pieces here and there. But I thought, oh, my God, this is just the world's just opened for me. So I always wanted to go to America to do Doga as a therapy. Yeah. And in a way, this pandemic, it allowed Doga to unfold in directions that I couldn't possibly imagine, that it helped soothe doctors and nurses. So they would join in with their dog at home while they had a break to just do their yoga and their dogs were there and they could just calm down and then go back to work to help these kids. I, actually, I'm going to start crying because it's 
did, did how is it for you 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 do a lot of charity work and um how does it but you really are involved i see that you always you always speak up you always speak up you spoke about michael winner uh the sexual advances you you spoke up you talked about uh, your mum's a holocaust survivor and all this and and i notice in, in interviews you you speak up you you speak directly you know you well, I think with the National Bullying Helpline, which I've done quite a lot of work uh, speaking up on, you know, on the news and stuff for them, uh, being their ambassador, and you do have to speak up. And I think that um, it gets you into trouble speaking up as well. You know, people, a lot of people don't like it. Uh, a lot of people uh, kind of shout you down. But I've, I've always been one of those people. I'm not, if I say I'm going to do something I do, I was always one of these kids at school that always got into trouble because whereas all the other kids say, go on, go on, we'll back you up. And they never did. And I still get that in life. You know, people say, oh, do this. They'll, we'll back you up. And they don't. Um, but I don't care because I, I, I have to be authentic to the, to the cause. And I think if you are authentic and you believe in it, as long as you don't hurt anybody else, as long as you're doing it for the greater good, then, then it's, then it has to be right. I think, and I still I try and help as many people as possible. If somebody comes to me, we're going to have a bar. Do you think of Bella Grease? She, she actually wants me to talk about her yes. charity work. And we come to that. What do you do, Tinkerbell? Definitely. <laughs> she wanted to, she wanted yeah. to agree. That was her barking. Sorry, I, I think you were saying um, that you help her. I know. she. she, she yeah, so I, I just like to help people, as, um, as many people as possible. I think that's the most I, important thing that I you can do. I was going to ask you um, well, yes, if I can yes, go a little um, bit she, more, more she in depth. She kind of was. I mean, she, um, was, she came on the kinder, is, kinder transport. A Holocaust survivor. Which was when she was four years old out of Vienna. So, But um, sadly, she passed away 25 years ago now, a long time. But she was only four. I mean, can you imagine putting a four-year-old child on a train, the bravery of her parents to do that, the bravery of all of the parents that put their children on the kinder transport because they knew, you know, and that's when the, when lockdown was happening, it was very interesting because I kept thinking people are, people are being paid to stay at home, even though I wasn't because I'm self-employed, but um, people are being paid to stay in. My mother's parents had to give up their child in another country, you know, to send her to England to never see her again. And we are complaining about being paid to stay in, you know, that our freedom and our rights have gone. You think those people during the Holocaust, during the war, you know, the, you know, all the young men that died, you know, all the young men from, you know, the UK that died, you know, the soldiers, everything else, all the bombs, everything else that went off, and we're being paid to stay in and we're complaining. You think, how much would they have loved to have been paid to stay in? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. I mean, my mum's from London. She's a, um, she was born 1946. She lives in Zurich, of course, uh, with my father. I was born in Zurich. My dad's Swiss. But um, she left uh, Hackney in the 1960s and went to Zurich. But uh, she grew up after the war. You know, there were just, all she remembered was ruins and bombs and, uh, not bombs, but ruins. And, and they would still have, you know, dead, you yeah. know corpses lying around and things like that and there was no food and there was no butter and there was nothing and uh, I said to her this lockdown is her you know for me it was the end of the world will I see my mom again you know on zoom or something but for her she was just sailed through it she really didn't even take any notice she's like what what am I doing what 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 what's this and she keeps saying she doesn't call it covid she calls it covic I said mum that is, you know, there's something f- that is for your throat. It's a, you know, something for your throat, a pastel, Kovic. Kovic. <laughs> what, what's it called? What's it called? Covid, whatever. You know, Covid, Covid, whatever. That thing, that thing. <laughs> but her attitude is really, I mean, she's 76, 77. Oh, she will swear now. I can hear her swear. I'm 76. Uh, but um, she, she, she wasn't scared at all. She wasn't scared at all. She wasn't bothered. She went to the hairdressers. As soon as they reopened, she goes back to the hairdressers. She's just not. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, being a survivor, a proper survivor, you know. I mean, as long as there's food on the table, everything's fine. As long as you've got food on the table and a roof over your head, you are rich. And a dog in the house, I think. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it's, it's incredible. I think um, I got 
this from my mum that um, that East End bit of East End I'm bringing, even though I'm a a, um, a wealthy Persian princess from Switzerland. I have half of me as a half sort of East Ender. You just survive, and I think that's what helped me not go crazy being on my own. That was the hardest thing. It wasn't. Um, I wasn't scared of the virus. Um, that sounds really crazy. I wasn't scared of the virus. I was scared of going crazy in my head because I wasn't going to see people. Um, yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, I think that was you know that a lot of people. I remember, but but we weren't allowed to see people for you know three or four months or whatever. And you, I couldn't see my grandson. I could go at the bottom of the garden and see him. And this is my little one who was only two at the time. And I was standing at the bottom of the garden. He just ran, ran up to me and just went like that. You can't not pick him up. And you just thought this is crazy. You know, he wouldn't let me go. He just wouldn't let me go. And I thought, well, this is crackers, crackers, isn't it? to try and explain to a little boy that he can't cuddle you. <laughs> no, I think they'll have forgotten. I've, they, I think they'll forget about it. I mean, it was, you know, I think that they're getting out of it now. And I think the world is coming back. I mean, I really hope we don't go back into lockdown over, you know, after the summer. Because I think that's, I think that would finish everybody off. I don't think people would do it. To be honest with you, I think, you know, the country would go into some sort of uh, revolt. Um, and I think, you know, I think I would too. I mean, this is crazy. We're just starting to get things back. We've got, you know, nice things happening after the 19th. At least we can travel a bit. Um, Isle of Wight. Isle of Wight, that's about it <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, I'm going I'm going to Sweden to be with uh, my, my daughter's got a house in Sweden. So I'm going to go to Sweden. Um, but they take their dogs to Sweden, you see, as well. They go into, they because my son-in-law's got a big house over there. So uh, on, in Katvik. So they, they go to Sweden, which is their house in Sweden. And it's absolutely stunning. Uh, by the beach and they take the dogs and they take the kids and they they go for the summer how the other half live eh oh this is wonderful I mean Sweden is like Switzerland isn't it it's, it's just rural it's fantastic I mean I would go home every every summer but I don't think I can do it this time but I was doing the podcast uh, my producer <laughs> from Switzerland in January I was in Switzerland during lockdown <laughs> Swiss lockdown in, in January doing my podcast from a hotel. It was the weirdest, bizarrest thing to actually sort of work in my own country for the first time doing a podcast uh, and teaching yoga on Zoom from a hotel in Switzerland. It's it's bizarre. It's just crazy. The the whole thing has really it, it reduced. You know what? It, what it what it's done. It's 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 it did make everything smaller, but also it, it expanded as well. There's a quantum physics in it. Do you understand what I mean? There were opportunities that I would have never had before had it not been for this. You yeah, know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think the people that realize that, um, you know, you realize that that things have changed. I mean, like our show, The Wonder Bird Show, would never have happened unless lockdown had happened. You know, the beauty show that I'm doing with Linda Lusardi, Beauty Angels, that wouldn't have happened either. You know, I, I've become very creative during lockdown. It, my creative juices have started, you know, because I can because I can do things. Years ago, I would have had this idea that we would have gone to a TV company. Now we realize we don't have to do that anymore. And I was just wondering, do you miss that part or can you move with the times? Can you move with the flow? Is that a different, you know, are you easy to adapt? Absolutely. I mean, we have done with this, with Zoom. You know, we've done a show on Zoom. We can do anything. People say, I'd like to do something about something. I say, OK, we'll do it on Zoom. We did a um, within Wonderbirds. We've done a, you know, our own sort of uh, sitcom or 
drama thing um and we've done we've done a panto we've done everything so we've had loads of fun with it so you know you can just expand and do whatever you want i've always wanted to do a beauty show so i rang up my friend linda lusardi and said you know should we do this we can do it on zoom let's see if we get viewers and we've done four shows and we've had two hundred and fifty thousand views on youtube how do you do it how do you do it well people it's just amazing yeah people just want to see it you know we're very lucky we have another dog. Incredible. Oh, we have Lady. Now we've got the mummy of the doggies coming up now. Okay, right. Order. Let's get the dogs up because I wanted to. Hang on, I mean, we can talk forever, but I wanted to talk a little bit lady, about. Come up, oh, come up, Hunter. This is Lady. This is. Oh, no, she's gone again. She's gone. She's because my daughter's staying here. So she's Lady's here as well. Oh, she's. Oh, gosh. I mean, we have to at some point start with the dog, but I wanted to ask you, gosh, this is billions of things, but are you a yoga practitioner? Yeah. Do you practice yoga? No. no, no, I'm very, very oh. naughty. I don't. Well, I found you. You see, yoga to me, anything that's relaxing is not good in my eyes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of person. Come on, I, I'm always on. What's the your curve. star sign? Gemini. Oh, I'm Scorpio. Well, there you I'm are. Scorpio. Yeah, and I, so I find it very hard to relax, and that's why okay. these guys are good for me because they relax. Right. You see. That's amazing. So you're always on 150, but your energy is not, um, there's people that keep going, keep going, keep going, but they have like, they self-destruct, they self-destroy with the energy. It's like on a loop and it's like grinding. No, no, it's just like my, wheels my grinding. Yours is different, this energy, because I love working with energy. I do a lot of uh, psychic readings and things like that. So uh, your energy is very different. Yeah. It's not pushy or forced. No, it's just there. It's just there. Yeah. I just work within, you know, the, the realms of what I can do. And then when I, I feel, the thing is I have to turn off a bit. I think I get a bit too attached to my phone or the computer. Um, and these guys do that. They don't, Beanie doesn't like me on the phone. She's, um, no, she, Robbie hates me talking to a screen, which I'm doing now. That's why he's hiding. Oh, little Beanie. Tell me a little bit about Beanie because Oh, I'm looking at. So we met at All Dogs Matter at the uh, event. Yes, when she when she absolutely ago. seduced Peter Egan. Peter Egan, if you remember, she seduced. Oh, yes. She seduced him. So she was voted yes. Miss Hampstead. Oh my word, <laughs> Miss Hampstead, Beanie Miss Hampstead. What do we say about this? And wasn't Ricky Gervais there? Yeah. judging. He was. Did he give a vote for Beanie? Yes. Or? It's, I remember everybody was there. I think Anna Webb was there, Ricky Gervais, Peter Egan, they were all, and it was at the, um, what is it, the gate, something? Yeah, what was I it don't called? know where it was, but anyway, Beanie, of course, was the most beautiful girl in the world, Miss Hampstead. And, and she was, you know, considering she's from Surrey, she was quite impressed that she won a, a beauty title across the water. Um, since then, she hasn't entered any other competitions because she felt that she surpassed herself and I love when you say you've personally, personally delivered the dogs. See, I always think I've given, sorry, given birth to Robbie. When people say, oh, he's gorgeous. I say, thank you so much. Yes, we are related to each other. <laughs> thank you. I did. It was a lot of effort to make my dog like that. You know, it's funny. They are a they are a fur baby. Well, I didn't deliver. I didn't deliver Beanie. But I delivered Bear and Tinkerbell um, with my daughter. And I delivered, Tinkerbell had a load of puppies a couple of years ago, and I delivered those as well. And uh, when she was in labor, 
think well. I, she had a pause on my shoulder. I gave her lots of rescue remedy, and I was like, push, push, push. And she was like, <laughs> and I remember thinking, God, if anyone could see us now, I mean, we're insane. But I remember the, you know, the first one came out, and they were all. It, it was really quite an astonishing thing to watch watch a doggy give birth because they are so, um, they're so brave. And more and more puppies keep coming out. You know, the shock that they must have when they keep seeing all these babies thinking, oh, oh yes. my God. Because they don't know how many they're getting. Gee, I didn't even think about it. So how no. many were there? Uh well, the first time with Lady, there were there were there were nine, but uh, we lost one. One died. Um, and she went into labor early. And apparently when the dog's going to labor early, it's because one of the puppies is in distress. So this puppy must have been in distress and it died. At, at, uh, it, was, it was dead when it was delivered. Um, and then when Tinkerbell had her, she also had nine, but they were all fine. So she was a very, very, she, they're both really good mummies. And Tinkerbell is a very, very naughty dog, naturally uh, inquisitive and naturally very, very, um, well, exciting. You know, she's the sort of person that you would like as your best friend. She's she's a she's a daredevil, and she drags her brother Bear everywhere. You know, he gets into so much trouble. He doesn't do anything. He just follows her, and he gets into trouble. So she is the daredevil of the family. And I once found her missing, and I thought she can't get out the garden. The garden is completely secure. And then we found out how she got out because she climbed what? a tree. How do you do that? I mean, how how does a dog do that? The same Why? as a human would. That's incredible. Anyway, she's a she's a great mama. She's she was a great mama, and so I've now done my bit with puppies. I'm not having any more. So the girls have been done, and um, that's it. How old is Beanie? She oh. lies about her age, uh, but um, it is rumored that she is eleven. You going know, I have 12. to tell you something. I went to. Oh, I'm not going to mention any names, but I went to um, a Maltese birthday party. <laughs> at the Ritz and this girl she's just crazy about her dog her dog is a celebrity like Instagrammer and she doesn't you know the dog itself and <laughs> she lied about her age on the birthday cake she put the different number on it I mean we, we were not supposed to know that dog's age <laughs> it's just exactly so with Beanie if Beanie has a big birthday cake it'll have two on it it's just so it's hilarious just... it's hilarious well, she hasn't aged actually. She doesn't actually look any different. She's weighed the same amount um, since she was since she was one. She weighs four point four kilos. She's always weighed the same. So, yeah, but exact always weighed not one ounce above or below. Always the same. So it just shows you know. And she and she eats obviously human food. Um, she eats chicken, boiled chicken, and you know roast beef and stuff like that. She doesn't touch dog food. I mean, why would she? And uh, has she become grumpy? Has she changed personality over time? Because Robbie tells off the puppies a lot, especially the lockdown puppies, the ones that have no social yeah. skills. They just jump up and down on a lead going, hey, I need... No, it's funny that you've noticed that as well. I've noticed an awful lot of people with puppies. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the owners that aren't used to having dogs either, because these dogs come up to you and they jump at you. I don't mind that, you know, my dogs will jump up, but it's the, the biting and that, and you say, 
wow, this I don't remember any of my puppies ever doing that like that with with strangers, you know, be, because you you know you just didn't allow it. But they they don't know how to control their no, dogs. What I think is they have not been socialized. Hundred percent. These dogs are completely attached to the owner. Where in the old days you would leave your dog at home or get a dog a walker to break up the day and things like that. You know, you go to work, you come back home. I mean, this is what I did with Robbie, and they're totally fine. But these dogs. They, all they do is jump up and down and they're teething and biting you. As soon as you get closer, they're so excited. They don't know if what is a dog and what is a human. They just don't know anything. They just look so lost. Yeah. And the owner is still holding that dog on a lead. And I say, how old is your dog? And they go six, seven months. And I said, no, not a good thing. It's not a good thing. So they should be off the lead in Hampstead Heath, not on the lead, you know. Uh, and they go, oh, yeah, but he'll run off or she'll run off. And I said, no, the recall should have been done prior. Oh, yes, we, we started that on Zoom. And I think there were quite a few actually dog trainers during the lockdown working. And you can find somebody. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I, my, my, my neighbor, she was working. She was still working and training. So you, I'm sure you could have found somebody for training. I mean, if you have a puppy, that is your responsibility, you know? I, I, you can't just, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's a dog. At the end of the day, it's a dog. I say that as a doga teacher. It's a dog. And I read, I read a lot of things on Facebook with people saying, oh, I've had this puppy in 13 weeks and it won't sleep in the night and it, you know, it won't do as it's told. You think, oh my God, 13 weeks old and that treating it you know put it in a crate you think none of my dogs have been crated uh, i don't believe in it i know a lot of people do but i don't believe in it um because they had when they were babies because i had them from when they were puppies they were in a pen uh and tinkerbell and bear because we kept them both the, as they got a bit older we kept them in a big open pen uh, at night only at night but then they with the door open so then they could wander around the kitchen and then we just left the doors open and then they started going upstairs. And that's that's how it's always been. But my dogs have always been allowed to come upstairs. And it's very interesting that I used to have a Tibetan terrier. He was always allowed upstairs. He'd never come into the bedroom. He just didn't want to come in, you know, whereas these guys, I mean, it's me and them. It's all of us together. It, you know, I can't sleep without them. But I'm, I'm quite happy when they're not here. I get very lonely without them. So how old's Robbie, if he doesn't mind me asking? Robbie is nine. I'm sorry. Well, I have to say. Mere, he's a mere young man. He's a young man. Good. I want to get him up, but I don't know where he is. He's under the table. I need to get him up. Let me just get him quickly because we could do a little bit of dog yoga. Just yeah, a be, second, be, darling. Be, just be a second. Not, Beanie's not here. <laughs> right. Come on, Robbie. Come on. Right. Oh, we need to do. Hi, we need Robbie. To do, hi, Robbie G. He's a rescue, but he's a rescue. I mean, he rescued me. But um, the story is, um, I met him in High Park as a pup. He was four months old, and he belonged to a, an Arabic family from Bahrain. Bahrain, yeah. And I saw him straight away, and I said, "This dog is so relaxed, so special." I was drawn to him. And I gave my uh, business card to them, my dog yoga business card, because they were staying at the Sheraton Knightsbridge Hotel, the family. And I said to them, you know, I do dog yoga and I can go to people's houses and do doggy yoga. And I'd love to teach, you know, do some yoga with your dog. The next thing I know is 24 hours later, they called me and it was the mother of the family. 
and I had about 20 missed calls. I thought it was my mum, something had happened to my dad or whatever. And I picked up the phone and it was literally, you come to Sheraton, you now come, please, you good person. And I said, all right. I cycled there and the whole family was outside. And the girl that I met with the with Robbie with at that time with this little dog, it didn't have a name, um, was crying. She was in tears. The mascara came down her face like this. And they'd been kicked out of the Sheraton because of the dog. And so she was crying and I didn't know why she was crying. Was she crying because she was kicked out or, you know. And then they took me to a nearby kebab store, tied Robbie outside, little four months old little pup, took me into the store and they all huddled around me like a, you know, like a rugby team or a football team huddled, you know, and I was in the middle and they looked at me and said, you good person sell. Do I look like a doggy dealer? This, you know, you, good person, 20%. I said, what? I said, I am a good person, so I should find somebody for Robbie because they can't have him. I couldn't believe this was even happening to me. And, uh, you know, I don't know. And I, I, I was trying to negotiate with them and say, look, there must be a way. You have the pet passport. He's prepared to go to Bahrain. So maybe he can stay with me for a couple of weeks while you're staying on holiday. And then you can fly back. No, 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 no. He he will die, they said, in quarantine in Bahrain. I was like, you're just trying to get rid of a dog and you want your money back because you can't get it back from the dodgy kennels. I'm, I'm the middle person. And uh, I never forget that story. So I, I Skyped my dad, who's Iranian. And I said, um, Mom, Dad, I've got something for you. And my dad was like, no, you're not pregnant. I said, no. And I lifted up Robbie. And I said, this is, a, this is the story. What shall we do? And my dad said, give them half price. <laughs> and my dad is a, a, a Persian carpet dealer. <laughs> half price give them 50% of the price and you'll have him and my dad gave me Robbie or bought Robbie for me because he loved loved me so much and he knew I didn't have kids and so Uh. Robbie became my dog sorry this is another show but I never told the full story about Robbie because it's painful to talk about it I just can't believe this dog was unwanted you know well, he wasn't really because he, he found you. Yeah, he did. And and then we did Britain's Got Talent and he weed in David's shoes. and oh, Good. Yeah. I mean, we've done so much, so much together, so much. It's a book, <laughs> really, honestly. And between you and me, Debbie, I don't know what I will do. It's one of those things when the time comes. I mean, I'm always aware of it. You can't, you can't think, yeah, but you can't think about it because these dogs live a long time. You know, you ha- could have another, you know, eight or ten years with him. So they're yeah. healthy. It's, it's, it's really, and, uh, you know, it, the man of my dreams and of my life, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he vibrates, but he would have to accept Robbie. I mean... There's just no going about it. And it's not about uh, me being a crazy dog lady. Or maybe I am a crazy dog lady. Um, it's No, I'm the, cra- I'm the crazy dog You're the crazy dog lady. I'm just a semi-crazy dog lady. But the thing is... You're not, you're not even, you're not even close, cra- <laughs> darling, to what I am. But you can't. He's going to share the bed. 
that's Robbie's not going to step down. He's not. He's going to protect me until he knows that I'm safe. And that's how things are. Well, whoever's going to share my bed is going to have a big problem. <laughs> well, on that note, do you have that on your profile on Tinder? <laughs> whoever's going to share my bed is going to have a big problem. <laughs> Uh, Put that on your a big uh, three problems, three problems actually, or not? <laughs> yeah. Well, let's not go too far into this. <laughs> anyway, but oh gosh, Debbie, I I need an I need another extra five hours with you because there's so many things I would love to ask about the theater and everything. But um, I'm going to close this off so we can move on to our dog yoga meditation exercise. Okay. So. Uh, I was going to me to get beanie. Uh, yes, absolutely. And so on that note, I am absolutely thrilled to have spoken to you. Thank you so much for sharing your life with us and our listeners. Uh, just give us a little bit more insight of Debbie Arnold's world, <laughs> which is another book. Yeah, um, crazy world. And all your time. And, and I just wish you all the success, all the energy your perseverance, your beauty, and all the work that you do with charities, which we haven't even touched on yet. But, uh, you know, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening to Conversations with My Dog. Make sure to hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Conversations with My Dog to keep up to date with all of our latest news. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please, please leave us a review and a five-star rating. It helps others to find us. And talking of spreading the news, please tell another person about the podcast and help us reach more people. We'll be back with another episode, same time, same place, next week. Nama Paw. 